Hi, I'm Nicole. I'm Shiv. And I'm Jaren. And this is Clearly Unclear, the podcast where we talk about pretty much anything that we find interesting. From movies to politics, philosophy to medicine, personal experiences to barroom chats. Join us for a casual conversation among friends, interspersed with the exploration of curious minds seeking to understand the world around them. This journey is bound to be clearly unclear. Hi everyone, welcome to episode one. Recently, Shiv and I posted a book, book reviews of our favorite books of all time, dare I say. So Shiv, do you want to tell us a little bit about your book review? Um, so it's called The Master and Margarita. Safe to assume that this is one of my favorite books of all time because um, the the novel is is quite complex in its storyline. Like it mixes various different storylines. But at the end of the day, it's still grounded in a love story between the master and Margarita. Um, Margarita is his, his lover, by the way. But um, the whole premise, like the, the unique selling point, if you will, of the story is that a devil named Woland descends upon Moscow and starts creating havoc. But instead of the traditional biblical evils that the devil is said to bring, um, he, he just casts mischief. So, for instance, he tra- uh, teleports people randomly to different locations and just confuses them. Um, he puts on a show where it rains money to demonstrate the intrinsic greed of people in Moscow, even though Moscow is supposedly uh, a communistic paradise where self-interest and greed are, are, are no longer the things that man seeks. Um, and so I guess why I like it so much is because it's at the same time a political satire on Soviet society and um a philosophical critique on how you should live your life or rather what the nature of life is itself. But it frames that so well and so implicitly that you don't even know that, sometimes you don't even know that that's what they're talking about. I mean, reading your review of the book, I was wondering what do you think would be the key takeaway for some, let's say we weren't philosophical slash historical like nerds <laughs> um, what do you think would be the biggest takeaway without giving too much of the book away i guess the the his biggest sort of message if you will is not to focus on the material so often we we go through our lives like in routines we just um, go to work get money come back eat do more work sleep and this cycle repeats itself because and, and primarily we need this cycle because if we don't work we don't make money and we starve essentially so that's like the sort of material problem of existence if you're following me so he essentially says that we should think beyond that so themes like love like intellectual curiosity like admiring art things that are not bound to this material world so thinking about higher order things if that makes sense like essentially your intangible relationships with other people and stuff like that uh, are more important than what you do in order to survive and admittedly it's it's a flawed critique because you have to do the things that you need to do in order to survive 
but his ideal world or Bulgakov's ideal world is one where everyone is just transcends the material where they focus on love where they focus on art they focus on things that they actually care about instead of just surviving I think that's a really beautiful message I might read this book I was actually initially put off by like how I needed to know a lot about that time to fully understand the humor and what it was about but I feel like maybe I might give this book a read yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, um, they it has like a a whole list of references because the the copy that I was given, um, has at the back like a a reference guide to all the different references <laughs> he made, and I did honestly I didn't get a single one, but the message won't be lost on you if you don't get those references. In your review, you mentioned that the novel took twelve years to write and thirty years to publish. Do you know the the background info on, on how that came about? Why it took so long to write and publish? So he, uh, the author, Mikhail Bogak, he, he went through sort of like various different editions of the novel. So he, for instance, he completed the end of the novel first before he completed the beginning. Um, and he, like every single aspect of it, the reason I think people admire it so much is because Every single storyline, every single character, he researched in detail. So, for instance, when he was researching Woland, the devil, he read every single source he could get his hands on on the devil in order to characterize him, like, perfectly. So he was sort of an obsessive-compulsive. But also, it took it, that's why it took 12 years to write. It took 30 years to publish because he was writing during Stalin's time. It's still like a, a didn't get punished whatsoever. Um, that's mainly because Stalin sort of liked him and took favor to him. But yeah, it only got published like thirty years. So sorry, what twenty years after twenty something years after his death, after like sort of the Soviet Union started dissolving. You mentioned that um, uh, he actually wrote the book, uh, the ending of the book first. So. Could you say that um, he wrote the book with the end in mind? Mm, yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> I can't believe you did that, Jay. I can't believe you did that. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't. I just got it. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell! All right. Um, I'm sorry, Shiv. I On just that to... note, the book review I wrote was about a book called "With the End in Mind." It was written by a cancer and palliative care specialist. Catherine Mannix, and it's a collection of stories and anonymized case studies of the various experiences that she's had over her long career. And this book, or the stories in her book, center around death and the various ways people deal with it and how she has come to deal with it. The reason why this is one of my favorite books of all time, I think, is because it didn't just offer me a perspe- new perspective on death as in how we approach death as a society, but also about acceptance, like not just for death, but in life as well. When things don't go the way you plan them to or to see things in different ways, I think it was really eye-opening for me and it was such a good read. The stories are really intricate in that it's a story, but there are a lot of 
underlying themes in them that can stem from like insecurity or worry. Like a mother is dying with cancer, but she doesn't want to show it to her kids and stories like that. So I think it was really nice. And I love that book. Would you say that um, the author found a way to decode death, like deal with it completely? Or is there still some fear and insecurity that that is unavoidable? I think what she tried to do with this book is to demystify death. She she essentially says that there are two days in our lives that are not complete. So that's birth and that's death. And then birth, we learn a lot about. So we know the stages of birth. We know what to expect. And in that way, it's not so scary. And also that you're also getting a life out of it. And usually the mom is fine after it with medical advancements and everything. But death more recently has become very alienized dare I say, in that we are so scared of it that we avoid it for the sake of avoiding it because we don't know what is coming. We fear that death is something painful. The experience itself is painful and we also don't know what lies beyond it. Although she doesn't really, like no one knows what happens beyond it, I think she's trying to help us through the process of death as in what we know will happen as in the stages of dying. And there's three stages, I can't remember the names of it, but knowing what to observe and looking out for those signs, I think it's really calming. As the living, we are standing beside a lot of death and we will see death at some point in our lives. And I think as the living, we need to be very aware as well so that this stigma around death, I guess, is removed. Nicole, I find this really, really fascinating because I'm actually um, in the Bible. Um, when you look at the story of Jesus. Um, so when Jesus was preaching, there came a point where uh, he came across Lazarus. So do you guys know the story of Lazarus? Of course. Yeah. yeah. So Jesus knew that um, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But before that, um, there's one verse, well, throughout like, different books in the Bible, but um, there's this one verse that says, Jesus wept. Um, Jesus wept when he saw um, the relatives of Lazarus crying and weeping um, because Lazarus had died, even though he knew that um, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So I think in terms of acceptance of death, I think um, from a Christian standpoint, uh, Jesus crying or weeping at the sight of seeing Lazarus' um, relatives um, and close ones um, crying and mourning his death shows that death in itself is still very unnatural, despite how common it is. And the process of grieving and mourning in itself is natural because Jesus wept. I, I have some a little bit to add. I, I wouldn't say I disagree with you, but I would say that death is what I feel like makes life precious in a sense. If we were going to live forever, would we see our time as being precious in the same way as we do now? I just wonder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just to play devil's advocate, I, I, I disagree slightly with Jay. Well, not slightly, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah. Death in, in, or rather, like as Nicole says, the the sort of mysticism around death that modern science has tried to demystify. I would say it was what constituted religion in the first place, what 
not I would say, but many philosophers would say, constitute because that sort of fear of death and sort of leads into a greater fear of of suffering, which is why there's sort of a, a hallowed space after death um, in most religions. But I, like your your analogy of of, of uh, Jesus crying, I agree with that insofar as it's part of the reason why I think people fear death is not because of you giving up on life, but because of the other people that you leave behind. Bringing up crying, when I think about people crying for a loved one when they have died, I wonder whether they're crying for the person or they're crying for themselves. Because the living are the ones that are left when the like the, the person that died is gone. So the living has to live without the person. So I wonder when you cry, what you're crying for exactly. Are you crying for yourself? Or I guess that's why I really find death very interesting. <laughs> I mean, I I think that's that's a really good point. The crying bit, um, and I'd I'd sort of agree that, or I I'd, I'd rather believe that um, you cry for yourself, or the people whose loved ones has di- have died um, cry for themselves because I mean it only makes logical sense, but then again there's this sort of element that, because it's so ever present because, not to sound heartless but because we always cry it's sort of collective it's like um ingrained in the psyche of all of mankind if if that makes sense and that is part of the reason why i'm agnostic and not atheist but yeah i feel like like i want to believe that you just cry for yourself because you miss the presence of that person but it's too simple of an explanation and it doesn't account for why most of us do it every time and and why it's so difficult for us to to get over it so on that note, um, we've been talking a lot about death and perhaps the value of life being derived from the, the finality of it. Um, so today we have quite an interesting question for episode one. And the question is, if you could restart your life with all the variables in your control, say time period, nationality, abilities, appearance, relationships, career, how would it look like? And why? So who wants to go first? Shiv, I'm interested to hear your... your... <laughs> Actually, I've thought, I've thought about the question a lot since you posed it. Uh, essentially, uh, I was, the minute you brought it up, I, I just thought of Nietzsche. And to sum up his argument, he said that we should love life as it is. So if we, exactly as you said, if we get a chance to restart life, we should want nothing to be different in our lives, both the suffering and the happiness, because those are essentially what made us who we are and defined our identity. So there's, there's the problem of, say, if we change our nationality or change our age, change our gender, or change uh, the time period in which we live, we could be completely different people, unrecognizable to the current self. Um, but at the same time, although I want to believe that, you know, that's what I would say. Like, I, I, would, I wouldn't <laughs> want anything to be different. I have to acknowledge the fact that there are things that I would want to do differently or, or to 
to change about myself. Like, um, for instance, I, I'll be really honest. I, I wish I'd be born in a different country. Um, I don't believe, <laughs> I don't want to diss Malaysia like this, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't believe Malaysia was a country, especially in the field of interest that I was in, that I like. I don't think Malaysia is good or, or help, can help facilitate that interest. Time period, I think I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind living in this time period, especially because time periods before, uh, I would probably have been discriminated against <laughs> in any other part of the world. Um, and yeah, healthcare wasn't as robust, so I wouldn't have lived as long. Nationality, if I had to pick a nationality, um, I'd probably go British. Ooh. Like, yeah, I could see myself living there as a citizen. I mean, that's the, I wouldn't say that's a goal of mine. But I could see I could see myself as a British citizen, and could see like the path that my life would have taken, as against the path that it's currently on. But no regrets, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, Shiv, like, if I may add, I actually asked this question to my dad earlier today, and uh, he said I wouldn't change anything. You know, he said, "Why would I want to wish for a different life?" Do you guys have you guys read Harry Potter or watched the films? I've watched the films. I haven't read. Um, well, the only time I really watched the films was when I went back for CNY, and then there was nothing to watch on TV, so we just watched like, of, bits and pieces. <laughs> Both of y'all, I can't believe this nonsense. You guys yeah, made me watch the anime, and you guys never watched Harry Potter before. Bruh, because there's a quality difference. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, all of all of you like two Potter heads listening in our audience. Okay, I'm. I apologize. <laughs> I don't know how relevant this is, but I'll try and keep it short. So, in the first book, there's this mirror called the Mirror of Ariset, and it essentially shows you that your desires. So, when you look into the mirror, the happiest man on earth would see nothing but himself only. Wow. I don't know. I don't know oh, why I was yeah, thinking about that so much. I was also thinking about what I would see when I looked in, when I was thinking about this question. Mm. What would you see? I think my train of thought was very much different to Shiv. Mine was actually fueled by a lot of stories and books that I read as a child. So as a child, I read a lot of books that were written in the like late 19th and early, like mid, early mid 20th century. And then books like, you know, Railway Children, Five Children and It, The Phoenix and the Carpet, Anne of Green Gables, and like Narnia, Secret Garden, all those types of books. I don't know if you guys have heard of any of them, but they're essentially set in like a quaint, a very quaint time, which is, I mean, it's amidst the war, but most of them have traveled out to the countryside to avoid the war. And they live very simple lives as a child, there's a lot of room for imagination. Without the clutter of technology today and sort of a lot of societal expectations, not that I'm saying there were no expectations back then, there were, but less of the type that we see today in sort of more personal type things, but more you're expected to like grow up and be polite and things. But this is few like 
ba- mainly by my obsession with like all those books when I was younger. Jay, how about you? Um, I think my answers are extremely different from both of y'all. Me and Shiva are the same in that um, I wouldn't mind living in this time period, but I think it would have been cool for me to have been born in many different countries. So like, have I can't just settle on one like specific like rebirth. I always thought um, it would be cool to experience like student life in different countries around the world. Maybe being a student in like, Japan or Korea, or maybe being a student in the US or maybe oh. in Europe. I mean, I have this burning question because uh, we all like identified some changes that we would want in our lives. Would we want the same career paths? Would how how or would our lives be different? Like, do you guys imagine yourself doing the same thing that you're doing now, education wise, or would you have taken a different path?、Mm, for myself, I can imagine myself as many different things. Things I know that are probably not possible in this life. Things like you know, being a professional footballer. You know, yes, Jay.、Uh, yes. Yes. Being a professional. <laughs> Let's go.、Footballer. I mean, I've dreamt a lot about oh, being a singer. Yes, yes. I've I've always thought it would be awesome to have the ability to sing well. Interestingly、cool. enough, when I was thinking about this question, and I didn't really think about further than that, I wanted to be in this period, in that. I wouldn't say that I'm completely satisfied with myself. Although I would like to be completely satisfied with myself, but I just wanted to see what kind of person I would be if I retained like everything about me now, and I was just like transplanted to that time and I was born then.、Mm-hmm. I would like to see what, how I would be different. I don't know if I would be studying medicine because at that time science wasn't a big thing. I don't really know what career path that would take me, but I guess. What really interested me about interested me about this question was how how much I would be different because of my environment and whether that environment back then would have been better.、Hmm. Shiv, your your career in an alternate timeline, what would it be? I mean, I, I guess if if it were to be set in this century, I don't know. I've always really wanted to be a painter. Wow. <laughs> Whoa! Really, but I, I've never had. I was never good at art. And、okay. also, also, I really wanted to be a farmer. Oh my、wow. god! Yeah, I, totally. Me too. That goodness. That sort of simple, and I, I know farming and and painting nowadays because of the nature of modern life isn't as it would be. But if I could just, if I could have that simple pastoral farming life. Or even like go to the countryside and and just paint, wake up at the crack of dawn. I, I guess that would be my my ideal life. Cause like,、eh, ignorance is bliss in my opinion. But like obviously, when I wouldn't want ignorance now with the things I know. But if I didn't know anything, I just want that simple lifestyle. Shiv, I think I think you've got it. I think the reason why I really want to go back to that time is that. The books I've read, like the life that they lead, is very simple. In、yeah. that there's not a lot of complications, and I I don't know why, but recently I really wanted that. I don't know. Maybe、mm. I shouldn't be a doctor. <laughs> 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 a lot of my imagined alternate realities have not really been about a simple life, so to speak. 
it's it's more of like just experiencing a life from a different lens. So like, I would really want to be a student in Japan because I've seen a lot of YouTube videos and I, I follow a lot of YouTubers um, that document life in Japan. And I, I've always been fascinated with just like their way of living and like their architecture, just the whole culture. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's simple living, but just a different way of living for myself. Um, here's another question. Say like, if you were reborn, if you could adopt a different personality from the one um, you had now, um, would you do it? And what personality would you maybe like to try out? I feel like I really want to have Jay's personality. Like, I feel... Ooh. Honestly, I really admire Jay as like a person because I find that your personality and that you're very kind and willing to accommodate to others. I find that very, I don't know, special. Special, I guess. Oh, and boy. I, a lot of the times you notice things about other people that I don't really notice. I wonder, because you're very emotionally woke, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it would be like. Because I am quite, just go about my business. And if someone is sad, they're sad. I will like pat them, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this would be a, a twisted ana- analogy, but I feel like your Sakura J from I Want to Eat a Pancake. <laughs> Literally. Wait, yeah. wait a second. Like, wait a second. I mean, you can get along with pretty much anyone and you have that sort of energy. You're saying I, I flirt a lot? Is that what no, you're saying? No, what? Sakura doesn't flirt a lot. She does. Um, but like, oh. yeah, I mean, you can get, I mean, it's a loose analogy, obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> you can get along with pretty much anyone. And, and like Nicole said, you have that, you're emotionally woke. You sort of like vibe with the rest of them. I I wasn't expecting the question to go this way. <laughs> but um so now for myself, um I always wanted to be like Nicole and Shiv, you know. Intellectually woke, you know, intellectually woke. You are intellectually but, woke. What are you on no. about? Yeah, Jay. Okay, okay, but on the point, I think I wish perhaps, um, I think it was a product of the environment I was in that I was not as brave or maybe outspoken or adventurous as I would have liked. Because I can imagine perhaps maybe in a different country, in a different school, I would have been much more adventurous and, you know, willing to go out, willing to explore, or maybe willing to get in fights sometimes, you know, that kind of stuff. But I feel that that's something I really admire in people. But, you know, just just be, be brazen. One thing I was thinking about was, I was wondering if any of you, or if any of us would like to go to the future. I don't know whether you intended this to be part of your question, but I was wondering if any of you would be interested in going to the future. Because personally, I, I, I wouldn't say I don't want to go, but it wasn't on the top of my one to-do list or bucket list, you know, of sorts. I'm pretty satisfied with this time. And if I had a choice, I would like to go back and see that like simpler time because I like that kind of vibe and that kind of quaint, very nice English, proper, whatever. But I was wondering if any of you would be interested to go to the future. So like, so like not go to our future, but live in the future, like in the, in the future, in a futuristic time period. Is what yeah. 
I wouldn't know if there would be much benefit to me, like personally as an individual, to uh, like living in the future. That's why I just think personally. I think a lot of what I'm looking for in an alternate reality, like a greater sense of adventure, a greater ability to explore. I don't think um, a futuristic time period would be able to like really provide me that. I mean, that's just my view. Do you think we are less willing, as it were, to think about going to the future because it is mostly unknown? I don't think so because I think some people, most people have a sort of desire to see the future, if not for technological advancement, then just to see how society has changed. Because I think people have a clear picture. When you, when you tell um, imagine yourself in the future, they have a clear picture of, of what they have in mind or, or imagine the future. And so I, I don't think the unknown is there personally, but I think there's a certain fear that that future may not be one that you anticipated or a future that is not conducive to essentially how you used to live. So you, you could be so dissociated from the future that it scares you. Or the potential that you could be so dis- dissociated from the future is what scares you, I think. So how about, um, say if you could go back to the past with all the knowledge that you currently have um, and you're able to retain that knowledge. I mean, would you go back to the past? Maybe when would you go back to the past and, and why? Yeah, I guess um, for me, I, I really like my past. If I had the knowledge that I have now, I probably wouldn't like the past. Because my past was, as I said before, I like a sort of simple life. And I think when I was a child, my life was pretty simple. <laughs> like, we used to play we used to play football, like, what, four <laughs> times a day? <laughs> and not care about anything else? I mean, it's so irresponsible, but that's the sort of thing that I... I just remember enjoying the most, like more so than anything that I've done now. If I were to go back to the past, I'd have to have that same mentality and not the knowledge that I have now because I I think that would just ruin the experience. I think I would also not really want to go back to the past. I think this is in part a little bit about what you said in the personality episode, although I don't know whether you meant it this way, but sort of that... Your, if your personality is constantly evolving, the experiences is vital to forming that. So I guess if I went back with the knowledge I have now and experienced that, I don't know if... I guess I don't know if I would be happy with how my personality would change and also how I would experience it, essentially. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would experience things differently, like what shifts this. I would need to be in that mindset of like, I don't know, a 13-year-old in year seven, not an 18-year-old in year seven. Mm. I think I value the experiences that I had rather than wanting to achieve something at that point. Because if I went back now, the only thing I could do is do better in my tests, do better academically (laughs) and make the right friendship choices to put me in the right places. I don't know. That sounds so bad, but like, you know, the experiences is what made the past the past and what makes us reminisce about it. 
in the way we do. I mean, I assume yeah. that Jay, you also had like a nice childhood, but I'm I'm pretty satisfied with how my past was. I mean, there have been embarrassing moments, but I don't <laughs> think I would like to change it. I guess practically, it just wouldn't be desirable. Like, I think if I went back, I would do much worse in all of my tests because I wouldn't be bothered. I'd be like, I have to do this again. I have to study for checkpoint. I have to like, what? Like, no, I can't do this. Like practically, it would probably just not be desirable. Okay, never mind. So, Shiv? <laughs> well, I mean, we're all like conceiving of our past like as our really young self. But what if it's like, I, I don't know if any of you have what we might call baggage. Let's say like a couple of years ago, or like your, your, the, the past self, or if you have a past self that you'd rather forget, would you try to go back and change it? So like not completely a child, but not with the awareness you have today, a sort of in-between phase. So without the knowledge that we have today, going back, is there like any... With the knowledge you have. Oh, um, with the knowledge. In in an attempt to say, like, change those bad times. To to say the time in your life you'd rather forget, if you haven't. I think there has been, like, defining moments in my life where you could say the path of my life, you know, changed forever. Like, it could have been this, but it ended up being this. So... Mm -hmm. I definitely wonder, like, perhaps if I did go back, maybe I would do things different, just perhaps to see how it would end up. You know, but yeah, I, I feel like there's there's definitely been defining moments in my life, where, like my life my life course hasn't shifted. So I think I would, yeah. Nicole, in terms of baggage, I have try to resolve them as much as I can in that I don't have any heavy grudges or unresolved fights, I guess. I can't remember the word for it. Quarrels or anything. So I guess I'm quite good. I'm good. As in a lot of the things that we're not satisfied with is a matter of our perception of what happened in that the thing happened and then we felt like it didn't go the way we wanted it to or from our perspective now it didn't go the way that we now want it to mm. so mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of these things I have tried to reframe in my mind most of the things that I consider baggage is just usually some sort of embarrassing moment or moments where I could have done better but I didn't how about you Shiv? I really, I really don't know, like if I could go back, what I would, or, or how I would change things. Um, but yeah, because I think, I don't know, for better or worse, the emotional baggage that I have that, that I carry, <laughs> and that sounds cliche, but um, I think it's made me into the person I am today, and I've sort of made my peace with that. I'm not a cheery guy, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> But yeah, I think I think it's it's sort of defined me, defined my identity, and mm. I'm okay with that. Mm. But obviously, there's this like this gut feeling that it needs to be changed, or, or that if I could go back, obviously I would change things. Mm. But then again, who would I be today if I changed those things? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please consider following the podcast to receive notifications every time we upload. If you would like to learn more about the three of us and our diverse interests, links to our respective blogs are available in the show notes. Also, should you have any suggestions for improvement, please feel free to email us at clearlyunclearpodcast at gmail.com. So we will start in five, four, three, two, and one. Are we starting? Yes, we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> um, um, All right, so. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs>